episode 36. Wow. Oh my gosh. For me, that's our ESPN episode. Channel? Yeah. Oh yeah. So happy ESPN episode on Long Island. <laughs> if you have <laughs> optimum cable. <laughs> well, I would like to start today's episode of Gridwalk with a quick game of two truths and a lie from the last week in sports. Are you game to quiz the audience, Nicole? I love this game. Okay, I think you're gonna know the answer, so don't immediately shout it out so we can give everyone a chance to think. All right, thing number one. Max Verstappen's award for winning the race was having to kiss a sponsored light-up trophy that did not look safe for work. Thing number two. 7% of the NFL's posts on Sunday were about Taylor Swift, but they accounted for 35% of the engagement. Thing number three, the Philadelphia Eagles are 3-0. and What was the lie? The answer is two, which originally was 7% of the NFL's posts on Sunday were about Taylor Swift, and they accounted for 30% of the engagement. Well, the, in actuality, it accounted for 56% of the engagement. More than half. Taylor Swift anyway. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you been on the side of TikTok where it's all the women um, pranking their boyfriends that it's like, oh my God, Taylor Swift is like being so nice and putting this guy named Travis Kelsey on the map and like watching the men just melt down. They're on fire and it is incredible and so funny. As someone that also recognizes that that's like Tra Travis Kelsey has been very much on the map and such. Oh, wow, is it so fun to watch. It is, every other video on my timeline is uh, women causing chaos. I think I'm gonna do that with my dad. I think I'm gonna uh, definitely try that out. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> Yes, okay, uh, follow Nicole on TikTok because she will definitely post it there. I know her and I know she will. Um, if I know we're an F1 podcast, but huge NFL fans, uh, Taylor Swift attended Travis Kelsey, who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, game on Sunday, caused the internet to melt down. And we're actually going to relate that back to Formula One this week because the NFL, as shown by the stats I just said, is embracing female fans and fangirls and fandom in a way we could only dream of. So more on that later. But first, we need to say we have a guest this week. We have tech enthusiast, engineer Bryson Sullivan. He's going to join us for all of our Japanese GP podiums this week. They will be scattered throughout the show. Speaking of the Japanese GP, things have finally erupted at Mercedes. When the boss is away, the team gets a call from said boss to swap the cars. <laughs> Gloves are off, but should they be? We discuss. Perez's car was pinball again this week. Has he finally lost his seat for next year? And if so, who will fill it? Things were so dramatic at Mercedes and Red Bull this week that I personally completely missed everything that happened with Gasly and Ocon and the drama that ended the race, uh, which might be because this race happened in the middle of the night for me and I was sleepy. Or it was because I was distracted by all the things I said earlier. But will this be the launching point for all the hyped potential drama between the two French drivers? Who knows? But the one thing I know for sure is that F1 is a morning sport and no one will convince me otherwise. Nicole is going to break down everything F1 and pop culture with a jam-packed gossip grid after a race weekend that had two drivers partnering with artists for helmet designs, GQ features, a Milan fashion show, and much more. And yes, it's mostly Lewis Hamilton, like it always is. But 
Uh, look forward to that. And lastly, as always, we end the show with the Yellow Sector notes. One story you should know from every team on the grid. That wraps up the Formation Lab for episode 36 of Gridwalk, a weekly Formula One podcast that believes there are fascinating stories to tell across the entire F1 grid. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you're watching here on YouTube. Also, leave us a comment. I want to know your thoughts on the KISS trophy. It's all I can think about right now. It is top of mind. Uh, if you're listening on an audio platform, make sure you follow, turn on auto downloads, and please leave us a review. It really helps us become more discoverable in the podcast algorithms of it all. Uh, but anything you do, whether it's sharing, liking, subscribing, etc., really helps support the show. Cool down our wind up on the grid. It's lights out. Away we go. This week's grid walk. Really big, exciting news came out of the Japanese GP. It had to do with Red Bull and Max Verstappen. I don't even like podcasts. They make me fall asleep. How does someone not like podcasts? I don't get it. He doesn't listen to Gridwalk. Clearly. I don't think anyone could fall asleep listening to this chaotic. We are way too loud. We are way too loud for anyone to fall asleep. <laughs> but in actuality, uh, Red Bull finally, I guess finally, because it feels like it was inevitable about three races into the season. Red Bull has wrapped up the Constructors' Championship. I do think we need to, one, congratulate them for designing a rocket ship of a car for Max Verstappen for making zero mistakes this season. And the fact Where? That they, Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm really trying. I'm really trying, Nicole. No, um, no it but... is. It's incredibly <laughs> it's impressive what they have done. But yeah. there's so many races left. <laughs> what are we supposed to do? They wrapped it up in Coda last year, and I think there were three races. I should have looked it up before we started. But there are six races left. There's so much on the line for the teams below them, which is really what the, we've all been watching up until now. But the, I think definitely by the end of the season, but even at this point, I think we can make the argument that this is the most dominant car ever created in Formula One. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I My brain can't even begin to process that this is – Basically, the, the competition, everything's going to be wrapped up by Vegas. So it's just going to, Vegas is already going to be so unbelievably wild. And the fact that everything else will be just like, probably likely mathematically tied up by then. It's like, cool. Let's just have some chaotic fun on the strip. I think it's only been 70% of the racing is what's happened or something like that. I, I didn't do the exact math, but probably 70, 75% of the points have been given out and they've already wrapped it up. And uh, yet yeah, Max wins the driver's championship if he gets at least sixth place in the sprint, I believe is the math. Oh. Uh, next week. Will, so. will he? Oh no, will, he'll do it. Like, that's so crazy that he... It seems kind of like anticlimactic of just being, and I think in one of the like post-race interviews, it's like, yeah, you know, it could be Saturday and then can take it easy Sunday and just race, like, just, like, take it easy. That's still a race day. Does Max know how to take it easy, except when he's listening to podcasts? They make me fall asleep. For the first time, Gridwalk has a guest this week. Our guest is joining us for all the podiums that you're going to hear throughout the show today. Uh, he is an engineer, an F1 enthusiast. I would say mostly an F1 tech enthusiast, but just likes all parts of F1 and just motorsports in general. He can be found at 
Wow, I just... You're going to have to say his at for the first time out loud. I realized find, that I just had to say Find me on the, my Twitter X profile. See me. Catch me. Yeah. I've never had to say your actual at out loud, Bryson. It's, it's a natural paradigm. Yeah, um, I, that's what I was saying in my brain, but I just completely stuttered in the all, all of this is all, all of this is staying in. Every single oh, second. Like, of oh, yes, 100%. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> natural paradigm. On Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, am I missing a platform? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Blue Sky now, too. Isn't that a funny thing? <laughs> As we all try to figure out uh, if Twitter will go down. Uh, but welcome to the show, Bryson. <laughs> that was well, a fantastic introduction, I for sure, as I tripped up in the middle of it. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on to be your inaugural guest, yes. perhaps, on, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, so yes. I'm, I'm very honored to, to be the first person to come on. I have a slightly unconventional lighting set up here, but you guys will have to just forgive it this time. Uh, but I'm glad to be on and talk some F1. It, as you said, you're our first guest which means you're the first person who gets to experience the chaos of recording a podium with us. Fantastic. Or just the Let's chaos go. of gridwalk in general, because we tend to just lean into the chaos. Let's do it. All right. And in that fashion, our first podium of the Japanese GP is the best reality TV show moments of the weekend. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's, <laughs> let's do it. All right. I do have an honorable mention. We love a good honorable mention. And that is Lewis Hamilton teasing what seems to be likely his new venture, which is some kind of alcohol line in the press conferences. Is it is it alcoholic? I know for sure he was enjoying it in the interviews after the race, but I couldn't quite tell if it was inebriation or just uh, general vibes. (laughs) I can't think of what else you would drink in that type of glass on the rocks. Like, I'm imagining if it is like a new monster or something, and he chose to tease it. In uh, what is that like a highball glass? Oh no, that's yeah. the tall one. What is? Well, it was definitely like the shorter to me. Right. I mean, as a as a whiskey drinker, I immediately was like, that looks like a glass of whiskey. But there's no way that's that's what Lewis is drinking. So my brain went to like a kombucha. But I like the idea of a teasing of a new monster flavor collab. I like the idea that he was drinking alcohol in the press conference <laughs> and the drama. But either way, the drama of you know how we're gonna tease this new venture. Let's just give him a glass for a Sky Sports interview. I mean, it was fantastic, honestly. An entirely new meme format was born as a result of that. So we're, we're enjoying it thoroughly. Yep. All right. Actual podium here. P3. Total Wolf calling in from post-surgery recovery to make the car switch on track. How is that only your P3? I was so prepared for that to be like top of the podium because it's that is reality tv written reality tv it was a dramatic weekend i i just one i like to imagine that he was actually in a hospital bed just for the (laughs) again we're painting a reality tv show moment here he's sitting there in his hospital bed watching everything happen and gets so infuriated that he feels the need to call up the team i think in reality he was probably just sitting at brackley like in the war room we should take it even one step further. Not only should we imagine him in a hospital bed, but let's imagine he's sort of under anesthesia, right? And perhaps all of this is some uh, drug-induced fever dream. He, he doesn't, I had this crazy dream where we were racing and I, I told George to get out of the way of Lewis. Did that really happen? <laughs> is that something that happens? That's, that's what I imagine. 
Yeah, I FaceTiming. He's like, tell George, tell George to move. It's basically like after getting your wisdom teeth out and you just completely are just a different version of yourself is completely what I'm imagining. Toto yelling at the screen and calling a FaceTime and having to do all of that. <laughs> I like that option more, though, because then that explains why, for some reason, they haven't done this all season. Like, I feel like there's been so many opportunities when he's been at track where they've needed to switch the cars and put Lewis in front and they haven't pulled the trigger. So, like, maybe the rationale for why it took this long into the season to finally make that change is that Toto needed to be under the influence of some kind of anesthesia to, like, be in his right frame of mind and switch the cars? Probably. (laughs) All right, P2. Pierre Gasly flipping off Esteban Ocon after having to flip the cars back at the end of the race. Nothing's more reality TV show to me than like a silent moment that felt like we could put music over because at least he was smart enough to not turn on his radio to say whatever he's saying out loud. And just a recognizable gesture for all to see. Particularly Alpine, I think you could just say, lately is a reality TV show. The back and forth of this weekend and the discussion of the switching of drivers and then one thing after another, I just can't, see anything positively building at Alpine even though weirdly enough this was more one of their positive weekends it still just like is screaming to me something like troubles afoot I don't know it just all seems a little bit still like a mess over there yeah I I didn't think it was possible to gesticulate in French but somehow (laughs) somehow Pierre managed to do that uh, it was very emotive, and and to be clear, he followed team orders. Let let it not yeah. be you know forgotten. He may have been displeased, but he did follow team orders. So, I think we had two teammate implosions this week. And if you asked me even a couple of weeks ago which one would be more dramatic, I probably would have said the Alpine one. But he immediately followed the team orders. He, I mean, even his quotes to the press afterwards like, weren't really that extreme. He just seemed upset about the communication, which rightfully so like I think the team should have told him that he would have to switch back so then to avoid the chaos but I just think everything George on the radio refusing to switch the cars just like trumped I anything that was happening at Alpine this week we'll we'll get there we'll certainly get to George (laughs) no no no. give your thoughts go ahead I want to I want to hear your your George Russell thoughts Look, uh, George Russell is an extraordinary driver. He has been the de facto number one in every team he's been a part of since the very beginning of his career. He's never actually been in a situation where he might actually be questioned as being the number one or not being the number one. And I think 2022 gave everyone, George included, perhaps a false impression of what the dynamics of the team actually were. Look, Lewis Hamilton is an incredible driver. He's an incredibly resilient person. But I don't think we can deny the psychological impact that the farcical Abu Dhabi 2021 Grand Prix had on him specifically, and also immediately being saddled with a terrible car, the worst car of his career, arguably. And so those things probably affected him in ways that were hard to quantify, whereas George was coming into a new team. Even if the W13 was the worst car Lewis had ever driven, it was probably the best car George had ever driven. Let's be real. And Coming so, that one stint in the W11, W12. Yeah. Except that one, th- yes, in, in yeah. uh, Bahrain, was it? Um, but, but essentially, that is a situation where George could find his feet and do extremely well. 
But what we've seen gradually over time is a shifting of power, and it's happening slowly and subtly, but it's definitely happening. Lewis has always been the number one at that team, sort of. They always have the ability to fight equally, which is what uh, most teams try to do. But Lewis is an incredibly fast driver, and George, I think, believed early on in their uh, the partnership that he actually might be able to take Lewis most of the time and actually be able to establish himself as a new number one in the team. And as everyone is slowly realizing that's probably not going to be the case, George is having to grapple with the reality that actually Lewis Hamilton in prime form is almost unstoppable, especially in the same car. There's a reason he's won the championships he's won. Hi, Parker. Yeah, sorry if you hear my dog. He likes to, especially when we start no, talking no, he, about he, that. No, no, he agrees. He agrees. Oh, he Lewis Hamilton's very a passionate. Lewis Hamilton's a goat. He gets very passionate <laughs> about Lewis. He gets very passionate about Red Bull, everything. Um, <laughs> so. I think that something that is not discussed enough, because it is so straightforward and simple to look at qualifying, because qualifying, it's easier to distill down to driver skill is how difficult race pace is to achieve. Like, Mercedes aside, like everyone can tell that Oscar Piastri is very talented and really fast, but Lando Norris has so much more experience with the Pirelli tires and so much more experience driving an F1 car, and then look at the pace differential this weekend between him and Oscar in the race. And I think George and a lot of these young drivers are built to be really fast in qualifying, and then the learning curve comes in the race, so when you actually look at pace times between the two of them, and even a lot of last year, Lewis was faster in the race. So I think a lot of this season is everyone collectively coming to the understanding that I think a lot of us who watch closely knew last year, which is as fast as George can be in qualifying, and he seems to lean to setting up his car to be fast in qualifying as well, based on trends, like we don't know for sure. That isn't always gonna play out in the race, which means most of the time, we end up with this annoying situation on track that we saw this weekend, which is we need to let Lewis through. Like it is very clearly by lap times that he is the faster driver of the two. And it's just... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the added wrinkle here, of course, is that in George's case, he was also on a different strategy than Lewis right. was. He was on a one-stop one strategy. Granted, he, he wanted that because, you know, he was yeah. gambling on a late safety car that never came. And essentially, it put him in a situation where there's really no question that no. Lewis is going to be faster than him Signs are going to be faster than him. The tire differential was such that even with the aid of Lewis giving George DRS, it really mm -hmm. wasn't going to help terribly much. So that's, yes, I do agree that Lewis's race pace is incredible. You mentioned the younger drivers perhaps favoring more qualifying pace than in race pace. The one big outlier in that would probably be Max Verstappen. He yes. has always been a race pace monster, like preternaturally skilled at race pace. It's actually his qualifying historically that hasn't been quite as good. And mm -hmm. this year, especially, he's turned that up uh, in a big way. But his race pace has always been fantastic. I've always ranked the best two drivers on the grid in terms of race pace is Lewis Hamilton, one, and then very close behind uh, Max. We still do have a P1 for reality TV show moments. And I think oh, I know what God. it is. Just to yeah. be clear, I, I think I know what it is. All uh, right. Well, it is the dramatic 12-second zoom in to Perez waiting in his car in the garage. <laughs> There were cars on track. This was not free practice. We didn't need to spend 10 seconds watching Paris sit in his car, but it was great TV direction. And it was like, 
the reality TV show moment of the weekend, in my opinion. The clip of Max coming in, Pitt, and the cameraman was like, here it is, zooming in, and then panning over to Checo in his car. I saw a tweet that said, this is the episode of The Office. This really was the funniest (laughs) thing I've ever seen. Uh, there, there is no way that that cameraman has not seen The Office. I mean, it is just too perfect. The timing is too perfect. A hard zoom on Checo's face. Let's get the emotion. <laughs> that's that's what we saw. And so uh, pure comedy. And, and honestly, look, you know, Checo's been having a rough time at Red Bull recently. I think all of us have been seeing that play out in real time. It's seemingly getting worse over time, which is kind of a problem. But that specific incident might actually be the inciting incident to make him leave. Like just 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 becoming memeified to that extent is enough to just add on to whatever else is going on. And yes, he probably is fine to stay in in for twenty twenty four, but I don't think he's going to stay after that. And believe it or not, he's actually lasted longer against Max Verstappen than anyone else Max has ever gone against. Um, only a couple of races ago, he passed Daniel Ricciardo for the most number of races as Verstappen's teammate. So, love him or hate him, he's been around the longest in that regard. I was saying a couple episodes ago that I think he's going to leave. Like, he could go drive for a midfield team, probably get a good final paycheck. They would be so happy to have him in that car. And he doesn't have to deal with all of this, all of us talking about this. <laughs> and and just to be clear, part of this is Adrian Newey's incredible designs. He's always built incredibly fast cars, but they can be tricky to drive sometimes. They have a lot of uh, aero balance forward to rear under braking, and they're very pointy cars, but they're very quick. So he could be just as fast, if not faster, in a more normal car. I've gotten to the point where I've started to feel bad for him. Because now people are talking about him as if he can't really drive. And we know he can. He's just having a rough go at it. Yeah, I definitely had a a different, I guess not a different opinion, but prior to the Daniel Ricciardo handbreaking of it all, I definitely felt, you know, I thought there was going to be a switcheroo before the end of the season and now it definitely kind of just seems like Alphatari was like we have three drivers and uh next year we'll kind of figure it out and it'll it just seems like it'll all fall into place kind of easily okay but going back to the office point I now want the next season of Drive to Survive. Like, I think we have tons of dramatic seasons. What if they shot this season of Drive to Survive like The Office? Because oh man, that, that that would revitalize it. It would be so fun. No more dramatic this. like black background. They'll put everyone in like a paddock conference room or something. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have that. We're gonna have you know Lando breaking Max's trophy in Hungary, and then we're gonna have. We're going to have Max breaking his own trophy at the next race after that. You know, there are so they many have a meeting clips. trying to fix it with some crazy glue. And then it's a whole just, yeah. Well, I, 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 I have I have thoughts on that too, but that's a, another story for another time. Uh, basically, it's like that trophy took six months to make originally. Oh. But like, but like, but like it, it was repaired in like two weeks. They made a new one in two weeks. So how did that is happen? Is Someone didn't months? sleep. Well, is it, is, it, is it six months or is it two weeks? You know, how long does it take to make that trophy? Anyway. It's a side story. Well, if you were in our group chats, which is what we like to make this show feel like, then you would have been hearing for weeks and weeks and weeks that we kind of saw this Mercedes explosion coming. Um, I think George Russell's likability in the Gridwalk host personal group chat has, has not been in a good place for a while. And this feels like the public reckoning of 
Oh, okay, so that thing we've been talking about in the group chat for weeks, I guess we kind of need to talk about it on the podcast now because George Russell decided that he was going to do what he did. I just, I don't even want to serve. You're, this is the new way we speak on Gridwalking. Those are our thoughts, and thanks. I'll see you next thanks time. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know what? Hold I don't even like podcasts. End the show. Thank you, everyone. It's been a great four minutes. That's where we end it. Good night. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, Bryson. Thanks, everybody. Bye. This entire season has been building to this point where George Russell wants to be team leader. George Russell has forgotten that his teammate is Lewis Hamilton, and it's not going to be that easy. And... This weekend, that finally kind of exploded on track. And this seems like a classic case of young, fast driver, no one's here to say that George Russell isn't fast, has decided that his number one goal is that he just needs to beat Lewis Hamilton. And over here, the team and Lewis Hamilton have decided their number one goal is to get that second in the constructors because it means a lot to people. And I actually think of all the people whose patience were within this week, I think we finally saw Lewis Hamilton go, sit down, child. This is not about you. Yeah, um, I, look, you, George is, was really fighting as much as he could. I don't agree in the strategy that was pursued and when things that you were hoping for and things, I... It just, it felt like it boiled over. It felt like there was so much yeah. passive aggressiveness on team radios and it was all just so unnecessary. And it's like, all right, let's all just be like really real about like what's happening. And if you like want to be a team and like, you know, then you optimize what driver is currently having the faster pace and like, sorry, George, wasn't you. And George was on the one stop and was slower because George wanted to be on the one stop. Right. And... Yeah, I think I think the boiling over of our frustration is it just feels like week after week, Russell's like, yeah, let everyone through, gotta fight my teammate. And it just, um, it feels like I'm watching someone, um, like, you know, you could just turn left, but instead you go straight and you hit a wall. And that feels like, I get, and I chose that on purpose, yes, um, but... Well, that sounds really specific and literal and recent. <laughs> right. Uh, that's probably not the best analogy, but I just feel like I'm watching George Russell play the long game poorly. He is, seems so single track minded of beating George, uh, of beating Lewis and taking that number one spot in the team that that's become this singular obsession so much so that it's showing out on the radios to us. Like, I think we always have to remember that the drivers know that we get the radios, which means we're getting a version of their thoughts that is relatively filtered. So if that is what's coming out in the radios, like imagine what's going on behind the scenes. But if I was advising George Russell, dude, long game, the, the car can't win anything right now. So becoming obsessive and not playing the team game where 
the whole goal right now, as Lewis and the team keep stating, is trying to get second in the constructors. Like, what? I just, George, what are you gaining? Like, okay, so let's say, let's say in the end, he comes close or beats Lewis overall in the points at the end of the season. Like, what is that going to gain him if the entire time the entire team was like, look at this jackass who wouldn't do anything in the constructors for us? I don't... Yeah, there's... Like, the throwing around of, like, well, what are we doing that's better for the team? And it's like, okay, great, but, like, if we want to think about what's better for the team, then, like, maybe it's not a one-stop strategy when you're on hard tires that are then going to degrade and then you can't fight against anybody and you think it's going to be like, oh, this is a team issue. And it's like, well, all right, if we're really thinking about the team and the constructors, it's like, let's have Let probably your more... Through. <laughs> Let your teammate through. Pick a more optimal, reasonable strategy that doesn't depend its entire success on, like, the existence of a safety car that then just, like, doesn't happen to maybe give you the tires to then in order to keep up. It's... And the team was fine with putting George on the split strategy when he asked for it, so that was a joint decision. But, like, right. you can't... I... We're just not dumb. Like, none of us are dumb. Like... I just you just can't point at one and say like what do you mean you want to switch us now it's like well the strategy you had agreed to had opted for didn't work it did it didn't play out it didn't go for where you wanted it to so like what you want to extend this and like keep it going so that there's more of a gap between you and everyone in front of you and then have lewis behind you so that when you ultimately switch in the last lap just another like gap like no give your team a chance to actually compete and it's not about like you making it to the podium and you needing a positive result like you needing a positive result needs to be on a different strategy for this particular way that this race played out and Drivers are inherently selfish, so I'm not trying to sit here being like, you should be more altruistic, George Russell. I'm just saying from an outside perspective, I don't think he's, whatever his aim and goal is right now, I think for his own self-preservation needs to be different. Because I don't think, like, Lewis has been at this team for way too long, just signed a contract for two more years. Like, being a overall pain in the behind is not going to, like, all of a sudden win things over hey podcast listeners gossip grid here your guide to f1's paddock elites hello everyone welcome back to gossip grid giving you every single thing that you need to know about f1 and pop culture and boy do we have a jam-packed episode today we were on a hiatus for a little while but that's hiatus no longer plenty of things to talk about today and we will kick it off with lewis hamilton went to nintendo world first off super jealous I want to go to Nintendo World. It looks like it's a ton of fun. Him and a big group of friends got to go while they were in Japan. But he was dressed as Toad. First off, adorable. Love the outfit. Love the sweater vest. But this means so much to me because Toad is my Mario Kart go-to character. So, me and Lewis are the same because I'm immediately assuming that that's who he picked as Mario Kart. Because why would you dress like him if you didn't? Anyway... Going into the Japanese Grand Prix, Puma's been really utilizing and taking advantage of their partnership with Formula One this year. So they had the Puma Formula One Suzuka collection inspired by Japanese culture, full of cherry blossoms, really sick. Featured two t-shirts, one pair of sneakers, modeled after racing shoes worn by F1 drivers. So maybe if you like want a pair of racing shoes looking like an F1 driver, but you are a normal person that wants sneakers, 
you can get these Puma shoes. Check them out. Really cute, really cool design. Um, definitely worth picking up. Uh, just a formal request for the entire F1 fan base. Can we continue making drivers like cartoon movie characters? I need more edits of Max as the sloth from Ice Age, which evolved into Sunday's entire podium being edited into all of the sloths from Ice Age. Please someone make a pick of the grid with like every single one of the cartoon like doppelgangers. Sloths are not required. However, they are not discouraged if the resemblance is there. Thank you very much. Going on to our next little bit of lots of collaborations for the Japanese Grand Prix. First, we of course got to touch about Lewis Hamilton. And I'm going to really test myself with Japanese names this week. And I do not speak Japanese. So I'm really going to do my best at getting as these as correct as possible. So Lewis Hamilton with Hujimei Soriyama. His entire club this week with his helmet with 44 plus. So Suriyama has this entire collaboration of this, has their entire artistic style as this feminine, chrome, robotic, alien bot thing. You've probably seen it before. It's very well known. Lewis decided to partner up with him for his. Plus 44 collaboration, which had jackets, t-shirts, pants, accessories. Oh my goodness, I like want some, but it is pricey. And his racing helmet, the chrome racing helmet. It looked beautiful on track. The photos were out of this world. The like yellow light in the visor, all of it was everything I want a chrome helmet to be and more. Something else that's really unbelievable, even though the race was in Japan, they had a pop-up for the 44, the Plus 44 collab in Los Angeles. Unfortunately, Brianna wasn't able to attend. Giant major TV screen with graphics of Lewis's helmet just playing over and over and over again. Hello? I, it looked so fun. I was crushed I couldn't attend. But I have one complaint. It's a formal complaint. That Lewis and uh, the Plus 44 account didn't promote the fact that they're doing this pop-up in LA at all. So I didn't even find out about it until late Saturday evening, and I'm an incredibly plugged-in Lewis Hamilton fan. So I felt, like, devastated. I could have planned better. But well, really, really cool, and I hope he goes back and does future drops there as well. More. Hey, network in LA at your flagship store, you should message at Gridwalk Show if, you know, there's any future Lewis Hamilton or F1 collabs so we know ahead of time. We'll come. Okay, bye. Thank you. Come make the content. <laughs> Next collaboration was Zhou Guan Yu with Hiroshi Fujiwaru, a helmet design collab. Hiroshi's been called the godfather of streetwear, which totally aligns with Joe's entire fashion aesthetic. He's also been credited with popularizing hip hop in Japan, so still really going along with that streetwear, like cool vibe. Helmet's really awesome. It's this like kind of denim looking blue pattern. The Bell sponsor got a really big shout out, but again, love seeing any sort of like artist collaboration for any sort of helmets. Nikki Tutorials, another collabor another content creator that I enjoy very much. If you ever need to see some out of this world, really stellar makeup looks, just go to her channel. It's out of this world, unbelievable. She was twinning with my outfit that I wore last week. She was spotted with her husband in a hot air balloon wearing her uh, a Lewis collab from last year's Japanese Grand Prix with Takashi Murakami. 
Uh, it is the flower pattern. She's been seen wearing this shirt numerous times before, so always fun to see other content creators in the space as Lewis Hamilton fans. Over the weekend in Milan, it is Milan Fashion Week all of last week, and over the weekend, Ferrari had their fashion show. And to be promoting their spring 2024 collection with their fashion show in Milan, they posted some fun social content, which we don't get a ton of fun, quote-unquote, social content from Ferrari of being a little bit out of pocket and silly, but we got to see Carlos and Charles auditioning to model in the Milan fashion show. Oh, it's unique. I think I need Charles's outfit. Carlos does look like a tennis ball. Neither of them made the cut for the show, and I don't think that has anything to do with them being in Japan. It, it doesn't have to do with the fact that they're too fast, Nicole. Why oh, too fast? They too fast. too fast. Too fast for the runway. They're handsome, but too fast. Lewis designed a watch with IWC, and it's got, like, an absolute unbelievable amount of coverage for being a limited edition watch. It was covered by Bloomberg, it was covered by Forbes, but Lewis did an interview specifically with GQ about this collaboration with IWC. It's a $169,000 watch. It has, it's this beautiful teal color. It features really intricate, like, diamond pieces, which IWC does not normally include on, but Lewis felt very, very passionate about including this on the design, and he loved that they were willing to collaborate with him on this. He's always loved watches, back to when he would wear, like, a Mickey Mouse watch as a kid, and he says timepieces align really well in his life because I'm literally chasing every millisecond when I'm on track, so it's really unbelievable, great pairing and branding, and IWC is only making 44 of these watches, which is... Rightfully so. Jamie Foxx has made his return to filming. He had a little bit of a medical scare crisis at the beginning of this year, and no one really knew what was going on. But this coming, this past Sunday, I was at the Jets game. Didn't get to watch a lot of TV. Fast forward to Monday Night Football. Commercial breaks appear. I get my snack. I'm chit-chatting with my parents. I suddenly look up, and I see Jamie Foxx hopping into a black and gold F1 car and driving away. Oh my goodness, I totally can't believe that I just saw an F1 car in the middle of a Monday night football game. But it is a promotion commercial with BetMGM. Of course, MGM being a major, major, major player in the city of Vegas and casinos overall. Jamie Foxx got to film this commercial back in July at the area of resort and casino. Again, he drives the F1 car. I have not been able to find this commercial on the internet. If you can find it, please send me the link. That's awesome. And gotta wrap it up this week. Huge, huge news. It's so unbelievably important for me to tell every single person listening to this podcast that Travis Kelsey has really great taste. Did you know? He's a Mercedes fan. In At the Miami GP in 2022, he was invited to the Mercedes garage. He actually got to see the W13, which I kind of feel bad for him for. He's spotted at some Miami party events, shaking hands with Lewis Hamilton. You just know he has some really great taste. So thanks, Travis. Do you think? Do you think he told Lewis to shake it off? Ha 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 ha! Okay, so it is always one of my favorite podiums to bring after every race weekend is my favorite quotes because drivers always say ridiculous things. I think I'll just continue to say they say the darndest things because they do 
just say the darndest things, whether it's on the radio or in any interview. So I will start with a lovely honorable mention from Max Verstappen of the questioning of Red Bull's success with the technical directive. <laughs> so <laughs> when being asked about everyone thinking Red Bull was not that great in Singapore and it's all because of the technical directive and I quote but I think they can go suck on an egg end quote just such colorful only Max Verstappen type phrasing I mean, it's very, Max it's very... is the best Max <laughs> I was just going to say, it's very evocative. It's very evocative phrasing. I have emotions that are being caused by that. But it yeah, maybe, gives a maybe, really maybe, specific image. <laughs> maybe it sounds better in Dutch. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you needed I, to say it in Dutch. Right. I'm sure I imagine him wanting to say something different and then just pivoting at the end because he realized he couldn't say what he actually wanted to say. But... <laughs> But villain Max is best Max. Like, Max is the best character in the show when I think he's being fully himself. And himself is a little angry and aggressive. And that's much better, in my opinion. Absolutely shocking experience. Right. <laughs> I don't even like podcasts. <laughs> you, you had that ready to go, huh? We have it ready to go. And I forgot. To, I didn't time it well there. Oh, you can go, Sneaking it in. Go right All in. right. So now headed into my lovely actual podium. A P3. Fernando Alonso not too happy about his strategy choices. You fed me to the lions. The drama just really hit. It was like hit the nail on the head. was really i felt that i i honestly felt like i was being fed to the lions while watching this gp so yeah i, I think we all know how fantastic and praising fernando can be of his team when they're serving him well in the moment but when they're not he can be one of the most uh spiky characters in the paddock so we'll see how that relationship develops i don't even like podcasts <laughs> <laughs> so ridiculous okay my p2 driver i'm continuing to love more and more every week and i can't believe i'm saying that liam lawson post race radio complimenting him on his drives he was really hyped gave him really great compliments about his first lap and he says i had so much caffeine before the race it really lit me up and that's how I feel every morning with my coffee, with my Celsius. Well, Liam Lawson on your quotes podium, back-to-back -back races. I know. he He's really here to impress. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo's not saying a lot on radios right now, so it'll hopefully come back soon. Guys, I'm, I'm very impressed with Liam Lawson, both with his, you know, off-track antics, but more specifically, how he's been driving. He had every opportunity to... Yeah, make a, a big mess of this, you know, short notice coming in uh, under challenging circumstances and he's thrived. So I think it's going to be a bit of a shame he's not on the grid next year. Oh. And arguably in the most difficult car on the grid right now. Good point. Good Alvaro point. Romeo might argue with you there, depending on the week that it is. But yeah, we haven't necessarily seen a ton of success with uh, AlphaTauri this year at all. So seeing them be in points with 
Liam and the experience that he's been in, unbelievable. It, I, again, Daniel Ricardo, cover your ears as I am a Daniel Ricardo fan, but I got to give Liam credit there. Well, okay, so we know what the AlphaTauri lineup should be for next year based on what they announced. I say should be because I don't trust Red Bull until anyone just shows up and actually starts driving a car. But what, like Bryson, I know Nicole's thoughts because we talked about this last week, but for you, like what are the chances do you think that Liam is actually in a car next year? Either because someone who's supposed to be in the AlphaTauri car ends up in the Red Bull seat or Liam ends up in the Red Bull seat, which I think would be a little bit of a stretch and like Red Bull should know by now not to do that. But like what... What chance do you think he has of actually ending up driving a car next year? I mean, I, I think that Yuki Tsunoda specifically is someone who Red Bull hasn't really shown the confidence in to race against Max Verstappen as his teammate. So I don't see him going to Red Bull. I could see in one permutation Daniel Ricciardo going to Red Bull either you know immediately, but probably more likely for, for 2025. Um, he has experience with the team. He's proven to be quick in the right type of car, and it makes sense for them from a, a PR perspective. So Daniel's seat is really taking up the seat that Liam Lawson would take. I think if we actually see him anywhere, it would be a move to Williams, believe it or not. And again, yeah. it, it, it hurts me as an American, you know, <laughs> bleeding red, white, and blue uh, American kid to say that Logan Sargent isn't really working out at Williams, but I think that's the objective fact of the matter. And it's not even the lack of pace against his teammate that's the biggest threat to him. It's actually the crashes. And this is the same thing that caught Mick Schumacher out. I mean, the crashes in a cost cap era for a lower team or midfield team are, are deadly. I mean, those are the types of things that are literally preventing the team from upgrading both cars on schedule because they can't afford to build the parts for both cars because they've spent money on, on repairing cars out of crashes. And I think it has to be something like three crashes out of the last four or five races, something like that, either in the race or in some kind of free practice session or qualifying. And this is expensive. And as we know, Williams is not a heavily funded team they're certainly on an upward trajectory, but they face very much the same problem that Aston Martin has faced earlier in earlier parts of the year, which is you need to have two drivers competing at a very high level to be competitive in Formula One. I mean, if you look at Aston Martin versus McLaren, for example, Lando Norris very recently said he believes they will ultimately beat Aston Martin in the Constructors' Championship precisely because they have two very strong drivers, mm -hmm. even if the cars on the balance of the entire season might be very similar. So by that same logic, you know, Williams is getting to the point now where the car is ready. The car is ready for better caliber drivers, and they may not want to appear as ruthless as Red Bull. They may want to give Logan another year just to make sure for sure that he is or is not the right person for them, and I expect that to happen ultimately. But what I've seen right now, Logan is quickly becoming the new Latifi, and that's not good for anyone honestly and it's hard to work out of that reputation like f1 is ends up being such a reputation sport where normally what happens in the first four races everyone's like well that's the narrative for the season like even <laughs> if it doesn't pan out that way and like when you crash three out of the last four races like even if he has a great next six races it might be too little too late and i think whether or not liam gets that seat because doing a one-year loaner from red bull might not be something Williams is willing to invest in. I think Liam Lawson is the reason Logan Sargent is going to lose his seat. 
because Logan has had all preseason, all the prep, all of the year, and then Liam comes in and performs like that in this difficult Alphatari is not, uh, it's not at least not making him look good. Yeah, especially after the Nick DeVries of it all and seeing that, you know, they were able to then bring Liam in and him be as successful, it can kind of send those signals. But yes, I mean, this week seeing the F1 graphic of every, you know, team solidified except for that silhouette at Williams and then the mm-hmm. list of $3.2 million in crash damages. This is the spending and just seeing estimated. that difference. Yeah, estimated. Yes. The, all, I need to put know. the asterisks. Everyone's course, just estimating. Who estimated, knows? estimated, <laughs> estimated, of course. It, it, could be, but, it could be more, to be honest. But Right. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more than max. That's really <laughs> uh, for sure that I can confirm. Um, not looking good for Logan, I think, but it will be interesting to see where that falls. I'm still hoping we get a Mick Schumacher somewhere. I miss Mick on the grid, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon after Liam's performance. That, I think, has solidified that. And right. I have my P1, my favorite quote of the weekend. I don't even like podcasts. They make me fall asleep. <laughs> It's an F1 podcast. First off, I love podcasts. They don't make me fall asleep. This is just the evidence that I have of Max Verstappen doesn't fully get the joke or he's just like, we're not going to acknowledge the joke at all. He's like, let's call it something else. I'm like, no, just lean into the bit. But of course not, because it's Max Verstappen and he doesn't like podcasts. But I hope we all just continue to host and encourage the Max Verstappen podcast, even though he doesn't like them. It's a very, it's an extremely funny meme that I enjoy probably more than I should, but we should remind ourselves it is a meme born of on-track domination, right? The joke is, it's always Max Verstappen, and who else is going to join him this weekend? Well, he's definitely going to be there, but who else is there? I think, obviously, there are some lingering bad feelings from Abu Dhabi 2021, and of course, the cost cap infringement that Red Bull had, but we can't ignore the caliber of team that they are currently, that everyone is surprised when they actually get something wrong on a weekend. Singapore came out of nowhere for everyone, <laughs> precisely because of the extremely high bar that Red Bull has set. So, you know, the team is operating at an extremely high level. I do think eventually they can be caught, but that's probably a discussion for a little bit later. They make me fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you. I just needed the opportunity for the sounder. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we opened the show talking about how dominant they've been, and it's been incredibly impressive. Um, I just want Max to have a little more fun with it. Like, I just, I think he should be celebrating more. But have fun with it. And that's just who he is, and that's who he'll continue to be. But, yeah, it's definitely the movement of all really leaning into it. I mean, even the fact that when Red Bull last week was, you know, creating their meme of the Max Verstappen podcast will return soon. Like, they were still very confident in their return, and they knew what was (laughs) going, you know, and... It's the one-off week, and sorry, you couldn't set another consecutive race record and everything like that, but... And shout-out to Oscar Piastri for leaning into the bit, both a couple weeks ago, where he said that he was his goal for the season was to be a guest on the Max Verstappen podcast, oh. and then this week, he just said he was happy to be a guest on it, and uh, Oscar, he's become so likable. Uh, Oscar is social media gold. I think he probably gets it from his mom. <laughs> oh, those interactions of like she's like someone get me on a plane 
And Zach Brown's like, I'll get you there. Can I throw away these trophies? Yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of really great leverage on social media. They know what they're doing. And I mean, well-deserved podium. I feel like I've been waiting for Oscar to finally be able to get on a podium all season. And it felt really good to see it finally. Yeah, just one point I would say on that, you know, Oscar was sitting out last year as a reserve driver. Mm-hmm. And even though that may have been painful in the moment, the reality is if you come onto the scene in Formula One and deliver right away, no one's going to care if you're a reserve driver for a year. If you're starting in the beginning of a long and, and illustrious Formula One career, he signs until the end of 2026 now. Yep. No one's going to care if he's a reserve driver for a year. So if we have someone that we do lose this year, you know, that we wanted to be on the grid, they happen to be a reserve driver, it's not the end of the world. They can get a seat somewhere else and potentially perform. Otmar may have a little bit more to say about all of that deal and how that went down. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Gridwalk today and giving all of your insights about this and having a lot of fun doing podiums with us. So if you don't already follow him, make sure you follow Bryson at Natural Paradigm, which I don't, which my brain says differently than it's supposed to say out loud. Par- paradigm. Natural Yes, paradigm. that is exactly what my brain says every you time. The, and I have to, every time wrong, it comes up. You, uh, <laughs> you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. That's what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you are welcome back on Gridwalk anytime you want to come chat F1 with us. Thank you so much. Well, I just wanted to say thank you for inviting me on as the inaugural guest of your podcast. I always enjoy talking F1, whether I'm doing it just by myself or with other people. It's great to talk F1 with people. And I really wanted to just say I appreciate your energy. I appreciate your enthusiasm of bringing F1 to greater fan bases and being able to share the love of the sport that all of us have. And I wish you guys a lot of success in your podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bryson. Hello. Uh, Formula One, and all the F1 teams, circuits, and FIA. Thank you for coming here to listen to me today. As I tell you about what happened this weekend in what was formerly called the No Fun League, the National Football League, but they are no longer the No Fun League because the NFL has embraced the lucrative opportunity of female fans, fangirls, and specifically Swifties, like our resident Nicole Katz. And the reason I've come to talk to you about this today is because we've been screaming for longer than even before we had this podcast about just how much we want F1 to acknowledge our existence. And we've told them if they lean into having female fans that money comes with that and attention and relevancy because young female fans, which I don't know if we classify as now because I feel old every single day, because I am not Gen Z, but I guess we still are under 50. So we are young, we're in our 20s. We bring the money. So what happened this week? Well, apparently Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey, who is a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. He also has his own podcast, which is fantastic, and you should check it out. It's the New Heights Podcast. His co-host is his brother, Jason Kelsey, who I adore because he plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, that aside, aside, I can't can't wash the go-birds off of me if I tried. Well, Taylor Swift decided for fun she was going to break the internet and show up to her alleged boyfriend's game and sit in the box next to his mom, who is a social media personality in her own right, Mama Kelsey. 
is the best. And I just want to give you some stats of how much this broke the internet. 7% of the content the NFL put out on Sunday, which is the day if you don't watch NFL, 56% of their engagement came from 7% of their posts. And those were the posts about Taylor Swift. And if you asked anyone who the audience of the NFL is, well, they would say old, mostly white men. And guess what? That's not true, because now it is Swifties. Swifties now run the NFL. These 7% of posts that made up 56% of the engagement on Sunday created 109 million impressions on social media. 8.66 million engagements. That's a lot of people. And this is all because the NFL saw the biggest pop star in the world, who has a predominantly non-straight male fan base, and said, you know what we should do? We should post about that. And those 7% of the posts, 56% of the engagement. And you're like, Brianna, lucrative, I see. That's a lot of impressions, that's a big deal. What else does this mean? Well, the Chiefs blew out the Bears. And I, all I need to tell you is that the Bears are probably the worst team in the NFL this season. At least they're in consideration for the bottom three worst teams. This is like if Red Bull decided to race against an F2 team this year. It's kind of what this game was. It was in the slot of the day where the most games are going on. It's the 1 p.m. slot. It's the whatever. There's not probably only a couple exciting games going on. And it got 24.3 million viewers. It got more viewership than the highlighted primetime games this week. Because a bunch of women aged 12 to 49 decided, let's go watch a blowout of a football game that I've never cared about before because Taylor Swift is in the stands. I was sitting there watching this thing called Red Zone, if you're not a football fan, which uh, takes you to every game and to the most exciting points of every game. They broke through an actual touchdown drive to go show me a video of Taylor Swift cheering in the stands for Travis Kelsey. <laughs> no, I didn't actually see the play. I just saw Taylor Swift. That's what they decided to show me. Travis Kelsey, his jersey sales are now in the top five in the league, which they weren't before. His podcast hit a million subscribers on YouTube. It has surpassed most of like the murder podcasts in the rankings. It's going to be the number one podcast in the world this week when it drops. Female fans are lucrative. And F1, please learn from this. Please. Because this is fun over here and I want to have fun in F1 too. I loved this soapbox. This is my favorite soapbox that we have ever soapboxed in the soapbox segment of soapboxing. I can't believe you let me have the soapbox. When I said, can I soapbox about this? And you said yes without hesitation. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be the one to soapbox about Taylor Swift. Nicole said yes. It's too close to home. There's too much. <laughs> I, I would get too excited because I, I, I it, it's all not real. The, uh, the amount of... My timeline has become this madness of football posting about Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift accounts posting about football. There's European Swifties <laughs> asking about how to understand American football. It's crazy. 
I have never seen my interests overlap this way. And I, I, it's, it's the most unbelievable thing in the world. I mean, I definitely did not anticipate the NFL leaning into it as much as they did and ESPN leaning to it as much as they did. I, I even as an unbelievable diehard Swifty forever, probably one of the first things I would describe myself as when introducing to somebody, I'm so surprised that companies, particularly the NFL, are taking advantage of this as much as they are. And I love it, and it makes me feel seen as a fan and as someone that dedicates their weekends to watching football to suddenly have all of my interests. How are my Sundays going to be able to be like F1 games and then football games where it's football, but then maybe Taylor Swift is also there having a whole lot of fun. And there are a few or things in this world that make me as happy as football and seeing Taylor Swift having a lot of fun. It's <laughs> Sundays have become my favorite day of the week and I hope it continues, but I'll throw my money at it. I'll throw my money at it for it to continue, which is why hi F1. We talked a couple weeks ago. If we remember, we'll link the episode in the show notes that, um, like we were talking about Coda leaning into friendship bracelets and why this was a big deal and how this was financially lucrative and it was a very targeted message at specifically female fans. And the reason we want to talk about this NFL Taylor Swift story on our podcast, besides the fact that we're freaking out, is because the feeling I had as, like, I just was thinking of like eight-year-old, 10-year-old Brianna who would see like, who was constantly told that football is not for me, that I shouldn't be a sports fan. If I would have known that now, like as an adult, I would get to watch the NFL put in their bio, like NFL Taylor's version. Like it's, it, it's uh, yeah. NFL it's Taylor's such- version. Nine twenty four twenty three Taylor was here. I, it's, it, it, it doesn't feel crazy. real. It doesn't. And the emotions and the happiness that it brings me, it's a, such a great example of a league that you wouldn't think do, would do this. Latch on to an ability to market to 50% of the population and say, go and do it. And the numbers show that it worked. And so I just, F1, do it. Lean into it. Invite Taylor Swift back to Coda. Just kidding. Not going to happen. But I, I mean, I she turned down it. the Super Bowl, so I don't think. He's in Japan. Can't happen this year. Eventually. <laughs> she doesn't need it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole other part of this. They announced Usher as the halftime show. I think there's probably going to be people on, like, listening to Gridwalk that learn that Usher is the halftime performer because the NFL talked more about. Taylor Swift seemingly eating ranch and chicken fingers, then Kim Kardashian announcing Usher as the halftime show. All of it is it is so ironic and hysterical to me, but the power... Seemingly ranch. Seemingly ranch. Well, Perez had a weekend, but I feel like we say that every weekend. When does he not have a weekend? It never... It just continues to surprise me and... Find ways to just basically just kind of be like a pinball on track. I wonder if the people listening to Gridwalk this week realize we have some new toys and we're having a lot of fun with our new, the new sounders we've added to our soundboard. 
I don't even like podcasts. <laughs> I love podcasts. They make me fall asleep. <laughs> it's just, I would, like, if you made it this far in the podcast, please, please, please comment below in the YouTube video that Gridwalk makes you fall asleep. Because we all know that that's so not true. I'd be impressed. And, like, maybe other podcasts. Like, there are some podcasts that I find very relaxing to listen to. I don't think I'd put Gridwalk in that category. I don't think so. I know we talk about this a little bit with Bryson, but fully-fledged thoughts, question thrown your way. Do you think Perez is going to be in that seat next season? Because this weekend, to me, felt like... Not only this, which is a representative of him hitting everything, but it just felt like the end. Like this felt like when you have the movie montage of the end of it all imploding, this, this felt like that weekend. Yeah, it kind of feels like just a matter of time before we get an announcement. However, I do feel like Red Bull kind of thinks that they are lacking enough information in being able to decide who will go in that seat if they're picking amongst their current mm-hmm. drivers, which is why they're like, we'll sign three people. And then I feel like they'll play. I Right now I can see Red Bull continuing into next season of like, we're great, we're fine. And then after like two races, suddenly Checo's gone and one of the three has been like thrown up in there and it's like really ugly and not... What's like the opposite of burning bridges? I just don't see it being a pretty scenario in any way at all. I would love for it to be like Checo decides to leave. I don't see, I don't think he, I can't see him making that decision as much as I would want him to. I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I just, I think he would if he had somewhere to land. Like, I don't think he would make the decision if he didn't have a seat next year. But I think if he could figure out a way to get a seat, I think he might be happier somewhere else. Have the Um, chaos. Let's play some musical chairs with him and Lando Norris. Just switcheroo, send him over to McLaren again, be like, ooh, and then just have that chaos at Red Bull. See what happens. Your service has been temporarily disconnected. I know. (laughs) We haven't used that one for a while. I, I think there's a couple things that are worth adding to this conversation that people might have forgotten. Thing one is we know that F1 has requested that Red Bull's second seat is a little more competitive next year. We've actually even heard Horner mention some inklings about it over the last couple months about that second seat being more competitive because I think it's important to remember that all the teams make money based on the success of F1, so they do all have a vested interest in at least pretending like it's not just Max that rules that team. You know, like, if if Sergio Perez was, like, at the beginning of the season, when he was at least finishing P2, he even won a couple races, which feels like ages ago, um, at least we could all trick ourselves into thinking there's some competition going on. So I do think Red Bull cares to make that second seat competitive, more than I think we give them credit for, because I'm sure there's pressure to do so. The second thing is, I read a little rumor this week that Lando, for some reason, is discussing discussing contract extensions with McLaren right now, and I'm pretty sure he's under contract for the next two or three years. 
And to me, the only reason he would be rediscussing his contract with McLaren is if he has a very lucrative buyout option that he's just weighing his opportunities with, with McLaren. See, you know, if they might up his salary to stay. Oh. I would be not surprised if suddenly it was like that, that was the switch. Like it just, there's been so much, huh? feels inevitable now yeah it feels it 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 kind of does feel inevitable every time i see christian horner like talking to lando in any way or being like kiss the trophy it's like join one of us one of us like that kind of is just like the vibe i guess it might just be my hope because i think it would be a wild thing to have both of those teams. And I just want to be clear that everything I just said was very recklessly speculating. I don't, like, I'm just, I'm trying to just, like, pull in some information, give us some fun things to talk about. I don't, I'm not actually sitting here thinking, like, oh, it's definitely Lando. Like, please don't take that out of context. I just am saying that I don't think it's a non-zero chance at this point is what I'm trying to. Nothing is a non-zero chance in Formula One. Except for right now, Sergio Perez hitting everyone all the time. Welcome back to Yellow Sector Notes. Not the fastest walk around F1, but we will complete a full lap around the paddock hitting every F1 garage. Starting out with not an F1 team, but something we can't miss discussing on the show today, which is that Sebastian Vettel was back in the paddock this weekend. There's now a corner at the Suzuka circuit called Buzzing Corner, where they're a home for bees that every driver decorated this past weekend. Staying with Sebastian Vettel, again, I promise we'll get to the grid in a second, but there are now rumors of him returning to racing in 2024 for a World Endurance Championship run that will include its hallmark, Le Mans, and uh, we might have to go if that's the case. Just throw it out there. Um, But I don't, if you don't know this about either of us, we're not big campers, so I, we need to, I don't know. Le Mans would be an interesting experience that we should do for sure before we get too old and grumpier about camping. All right, now moving into the grid itself. Teams are unhappy and now publicly issuing complaints to the FIA for favoring Max and Red Bull after the dramatic happenings of the Singapore GP, to which I say thank you, but took you long enough thing, all right? Uh, This week was the two-year anniversary of Lewis Hamilton winning over 100 races. Charles Leclerc passed over a thousand career points with Ferrari at this past Japanese GP. Uh, In big news, Jess Hawkins was the first woman to test an F1 car since 2018 when she test drove the Aston Martin this week. It was great to see Aston Martin showing, not just telling, and giving this opportunity to her. But in the same breath, 2018, like, come on. I mean, this is a baby step when we're looking for leaps. It better not be another five plus years before we get woman testing an F1 car. We're not even talking about driving an F1. This was testing an F1. Alright, rant saved for another day, compartmentalized. McLaren announced this past week that extended Oscar Piastri's contract through 2026, and I'm personally very excited. There are rumors connecting Mick Schumacher to an Alpine racing seat next year, but it's not what you think. It's actually the World Endurance Championship Alpine seat, not their F1 seat, as disappointing as that sounds. I would love to see Mick run in a the World Endurance Championship. Just want him back in a car. Alex Albon openly criticized the F1 penalty system this week for not deterring bad driving. He thinks that a five-second penalty isn't enough because clearly there's a lot of bad driving happening. 
So the whole point of the penalty system is to uphold good driving standards and increase fairness, and he believes that's not happening, and I have to agree with you, Alex Albon. Uh, the Haas team continues to exist. VB's wine brand is releasing in the U.S. In, right in time with the USGP weekend. So if you're looking to try it and you live in the U.S., next month is going to be when we all get access to it. Uh, Horner told the media that Lawson is not in line for the second Williams seat because no team wants to take on a driver for just a one-year loaner. That was the grid walk for September 28th, 2023 completed. How was my sector time today, Nicole? Faster than the NFL utilized having the world's biggest pop star in their attendance. I don't even like podcasts. Thank you to voiceover man as always. Huge, huge, huge thank you to Bryson for being our first ever guest on Gridwalk. It was a pleasure, pleasure to have you. So much fun and we really hope you enjoyed being with us. And a special shout out to our four-legged executive producers. If you're an audio listener, hi, how you doing? Don't forget to follow, turn on auto downloads, rate and review the pod. If you're watching on YouTube, dang, you look good today. You got a haircut. Something looks different about you today. Subscribe, like the video, leave us a comment. Tag someone that you'd like to see as a future guest on an episode of Gridwalk. Who would be really fun that you'd like to see having us on here? Tag them below, write their name below, maybe send them our episode of Gridwalk. Really, anything that you do, comment, review, all of this really helps us uh, help other people find the podcast, and we really appreciate you doing them. You can also join us for our daily grid walks on every single social media platform. We are at Gridwalk Show on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, threads, you name it, you'll find us there at Gridwalk Show. We will be back to walk the Formula One grid every Thursday, and we sincerely hope you join us. Today felt like a grid first down and not a grid walk. Thank you.